The following audio is from Park Church in Denver, Colorado. More information about Park Church is available online at parkchurchdenver.org. Luke 2, starting in verse 22. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit to the temple and the, when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This is the word of the Lord. Joy, joy, for Christ is born. Mm. That verse in that song caught me. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we get to worship you. We thank you, Lord, that you you did come. You were born as a baby. And that we can stand here tonight. We can go home tonight. We can wake up tomorrow morning and worship you. We can be in awe. Lord, in a, in a room like this, in a Christmas Eve service, we probably have We probably have a lot of people in a lot of different places in life and a lot of different stages of belief. For those of us here who we trust you, we believe you, you are our hope, would you stir affections tonight? I pray that we would worship you. Lord, for those here who don't don't put their trust in you, um, Lord, I pray that you would open eyes tonight, maybe for the first time. Uh, in, in every Christmas Eve service, Lord, we have a lot of kids in service with us. I love it. Lord, would you help us tonight to continue to build on that foundation of faith for them? Call our children to yourself. Rescue and redeem them. I uh, pray that you would use the things that we do here tonight uh, to do that. Uh, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Before we deep dive into the things that Simeon prophesies about Jesus, 
I'd like for us to actually take a look at a passage that we didn't read tonight. If you would, if you still have your Bible open, uh, or if you don't, go ahead and open it back up. Flip back a page or two to Luke 1, 1 through 4. I want to read something here that I think will give us some, some context tonight. <clears throat> Here's how Luke opens his letter. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Luke states here at the beginning of his letter that the reason that he's writing this for Theophilus is in verse 4, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Theophilus obviously knows something about Jesus, but Luke wants him to have an orderly account that is certain of what is true. I love how Eugene Peterson translates this in the message. I think his translation of verse 4 is very powerful. Here's what he writes, or here's how he translates it. So you can know beyond the shadow of a doubt the reliability of what you have been taught. As we shift our focus back to Luke 2, 22 through 35, let us ask ourselves, what is the certainty what is the reliability beyond the shadow of a doubt that Luke wants Theophilus and by redemptive extension us to have concerning this passage? First, Luke wants us to see that Jesus is the consolation of Israel. Look at Luke 2.25 again. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. What is the consolation of Israel? The root word for consolation is console, to comfort. The consolation of Israel is the comfort of God's people. The coming king would be the comforter of their souls. This comfort of God's people was promised back in the Old Testament, particularly in the book Isaiah. My children in the audience, children, this is for you particularly. How many of you are familiar with the Jesus Storybook Bible? Raise your hands if you are. Yes, lots of hands raised. Yes, that's it right there. I'd like to read you guys a story. It's from God's letter to his people through his prophet Isaiah. Here we go. Dear little flock, you're all wandering away from me like sheep in an open field. You have always been running away from me. And now you're lost. You can't find your way back. But I can't stop loving you. I will come to find you. So I'm sending you a shepherd to look after you and love you, to carry you home to me. You've been stumbling around like people in a dark room, but 
Into the darkness, a bright light will shine. It will chase away all the shadows like sunshine. A little baby will be born, a royal son. His mommy will be a young girl who doesn't have a husband. His name will be Emmanuel, which means God has come to live with us. He is one of King David's children's children's children, the Prince of Peace. Yes, someone is going to come and rescue you. The consolation of Israel is the coming king who would rescue and redeem God's people. Remember, Luke is wanting to write an orderly account for Theophilus. On the heels of Jesus' narrative, of his birth narrative, Luke wants Theophilus to have certainty that this baby boy that's being talked about in Luke 2, in the previous parts that we read tonight, is that royal son. Jesus is the Redeemer King that Simeon has been waiting for. Can you picture Simeon in the temple holding Jesus? This isn't simply a, a cute picture of an old man holding a cute baby. This is a man staring at the one that he has longed for and he has been waiting and he's been waiting and he's been waiting for this one. The Redeemer of Israel and the Redeemer of his own soul is who Simeon is staring at. Finally, after waiting for so long, the thirst of his soul is quenched. That baby is the comforter of souls. How, though? How? Simeon states, right after saying, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Verse 30, he says, For my eyes have seen your salvation. This baby that he's looking at is the salvation of the Lord. One Bible commentator writes that Simeon identifies Jesus as this agent of salvation, practically equating the arrival of Jesus, the Lord's Messiah, with the advent of the new era of divine consolation. He is the comforter of God's people. He is the consoler of the soul because he is the salvation of the Lord. The next certainty, the next reliable truth that Luke wants Theophilus to see about Jesus is he is the promised Messiah, not only for those born into the nation of Israel, but for the Gentiles as well. Let's look at verse 31. Actually, I'm going to start in verse 30, but 31 and 32 is really what we want to see here. My eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Back in Genesis 12, 3, Abraham was promised that through him, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And then in Isaiah 49, 6, the Lord declares this. He says this about his coming Redeemer King. It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations. 
that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. The Redeemer would come through the nation of Israel, but he would be a blessing to the entire world. Through Simeon, the Lord is stamping Jesus as the incarnation of that salvation. And for those who have the ears to hear it as they stand in the temple, for those who have the eyes to see it, the Lord is declaring in that temple that the long-awaited promise for the forever king is materializing, is happening. Luke also wants Theophilus and us to have certainty about what this king's life and ministry were about. In addition to that, he wants us to understand what truth is with regard to how we respond to that king. Let's read verses 34 and then the second half of 35. 34. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Isaiah 8, 14 through 15 are kind of playing like a record in the background here. He will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and many shall stumble on it. They shall fall and be broken. They shall be snared and taken. Some people will find rest and peace and joy in and with Jesus. To some, he will be the comforter of their soul. But some will be driven to opposition with Jesus. Ultimately, the text says, because of what is in their heart. This is what Jesus does. This is what this baby's ministry did. Hence, Luke wanting us to know for certain what is true. You are either with him as Lord and King, or you are not. And the decision as to being with him or against him ultimately reveals the thoughts and the desires and the motives of our heart. There is no middle ground with this king. Jesus is the God-man. He is the salvation of the Lord, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and he is the glory of Israel. The only thing left is for our heart to bend the knee in joyful, humble obedience or to rebel in what will be painful opposition and inevitable defeat. One commentator writes that humans will resist Jesus. For them, Jesus will not be a hope of promise fulfilled, but a figure to be opposed. Simeon knows that although Jesus is God's hope, not everyone will respond positively to him. The raising of this aspect of Jesus' fate is Luke's first indication that all will not go smoothly for God's anointed, and it is to that certainty that we make our final turn. Eight days into his earthly life, and the cross is already looming in the background. Can you see it in the prophecy? Verse 35. Simeon, at the beginning of 35, gives an aside to Mary, like an, and this will happen to you. 
a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Something about this baby is going to cause Mary deep grief and pain. This something was actually foretold all the way back in the Garden of Eden. The Lord said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. How is Jesus the consolation of Israel? How is he the salvation of the Lord? Why is he a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory for Israel? Why is he the one to whom the knee should bow in humble and joyful obedience? And how is it that Mary's soul will be as if a sword had been run through it? This baby grew up, and he was despised and rejected by men. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was the one who bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brings us peace into those in this room to whom he is the comfort of your soul. We are healed by his wounds. Mary will watch this baby grow and have a ministry where some love him and some hate him. And she will watch him be hung on a cross for the sins of and the redemption of the world. As we remember Jesus' birth and as, as we long and we wait for his second coming, what is our response to this certainty? To the reliability of Luke 2, through 35, Joseph and Mary's response to Simeon's prophecy Give us a clue. Look at verse 33. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. We marvel. We are in awe and we worship him. This is the long-awaited king who did come. And he died, and he was raised, that we might have life and hope even as we wait now in this earthly life expectantly for him to come again. My prayer is that as you sit here tonight, as you go home, as you lay your head down for what I, I really pray is a restful sleep tonight, as you rise on Christmas morning, as you rejoice in the joys and as you battle the pains of this life and as you live out the remainder of your days before the face of God, you have certainty about these things. Jesus is the promised Redeemer King. He is the only one and the only thing that comforts your soul. He is the salvation offered to all people. He is, with reliable truth, the one who brings light to our lives. And he is the glory for Israel. Let's pray.
Lord, we thank you that you would give us such certainty, that you would give us such reliability, that we have this word that tells us you are the, you are the consolation of Israel. You are the, the comforter of our soul. Lord, would you help us to, to hold up our cup and worship you tonight and just ask you to, to fill it. Lord, would you uh, revive our hearts tonight uh, that we would have hearts that want to be in awe, hearts that marvel at who you are and what you've done, and hearts that worship. Lord, we thank you for your incarnation. We thank you for your life, which ultimately leads to your death on our behalf. We praise you, God. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.